But Tony, have you ever noticed that there is like a bad tendency for people to uh, swing like a pendulum, you know, back and forth between things and react and overreact to the last overreaction? Here we go! Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Yeah. Talk about them when you see Hello. Welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the family and discipleship pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Pastor Anthony Trussoni, the supported elder at Poland Baptist Church in Poland, Maine. All right, Tony, it's been a little bit, man. How are you doing? I've been doing pretty well, so it's been an unseasonably warm winter for, by Maine standards, uh, so it'd probably be a very cold winter by Georgia standards for you, but you know, <laughs> I, I kids have missed out on sledding and whatnot, but uh, I have enjoyed not having to uh, spend a ton of money on pellets this year. That's great, yeah. Uh, we've, had, we've had cold snaps for sure, and I've also spent some time up north uh, as the cold weather has hit, so I've also, you know, gotten a dose of that. I was made two trips to Pennsylvania, uh, but I did see snow this weekend, so um, and it was pretty chilly. So, uh, did you guys have snow this weekend? A little bit, yeah. Not, I mean, a couple inches maybe. So it really wasn't much. But again, I mean, for Maine in January, uh, I mean, a normal January snow, which it's January when this is being recorded, uh, that normally January snow is way, way bigger than just a few inches. Okay. So yeah, I went. Uh, I was sort of pinch hitting for somebody last minute uh, on the ski trip. Took some college students up to North Carolina, and on the way, we were just a couple of miles from the ski lodge, and uh, I was about a minute behind the lead car. There were there were two vehicles, and the guy that was the lead driver, he was. I don't know exactly what happened, but a a. Uh, snowplow truck was coming towards him and he felt the guy was kind of encroaching to his side and he tried to react and then he i don't know if he overreacted or what he also had low tread on his tires but um his car started skidding he <laughs> rolled his truck down the embankment into oh, no. uh the creek below and it now it landed you know right side up um, and so we pulled up and, you know, like, what's going on? There's, there's cars out on the road. Then I looked I'm like, oh man, someone's in the Creek. And then I looked and recognized who was standing in this Creek. I'm like, th- those are our guys. And, um, so anyway, I don't know if this fellow overreacted or not, but sometimes, you know, we face things, um, that we see are, are objectionable. We don't like them, whatever. And our tendency is to swing hard away from them. Uh, now, Praise God, all these guys were okay. Uh, they walked away. They had a little bit of glass in the fingers, and uh, that was it. One of them had a sore neck, but that was about it. Um, but Tony, have you ever noticed that there is like a bad tendency for people to uh, swing like a pendulum, you know, back and forth between things and react and overreact to the last overreaction? Yeah, I definitely. And in fact, uh, for listeners who obviously weren't hearing recording what we were talking about before this podcast, we literally <laughs> were talking for half an hour about uh, overreaction and a pendulum uh, and theological matters. So, yeah, it definitely happened a lot. Uh, but uh, it, it, I think even uh, this has led people, I think, to a lot of disunity. This kind of overreaction has led a lot of church divisions. And, and I, actually, I've read some that people are leaving churches more than ever in the past couple of years, especially mm-hmm. kind of post 2020. And, and it, it's hard for me not to suspect there's a degree of overreactions. Uh, but it, even in my own life, I mean, overreacting on things have led to one of my uh, biggest mistakes. I, I, you know, I kind of linked arms with something that I realized was really toxic and unhelpful because of kind of an overreaction to what was a problem that I had perceived as well. So yeah, so I can I can be as guilty of it as anyone sometimes. Yeah, I don't think any of us are immune to it. Uh, we're all fallen and we're limited creatures, and so you put those two together. So it's, it's not just unbelievers. I mean Christians. I mean yeah, we spent half an hour talking about these <laughs> theological 
reactions and overreactions related to language and labels. And uh, sometimes there's some light in those those issues. Other times there's a lot more heat, but not so much light. Um, so why do you think that we tend to overreact to things that we perceive as bad? Yes, I think we often lack context and we often don't want context <laughs> when we do <laughs> yeah. on it. Because it's easier. It's easier to kind of have this kind of gut reaction. Uh, but I think further, we don't kind of triage, which we've talked about theological triage on the podcast before. But basically, theological triage is the attitude that uh, everything uh, kind of has a place on the theology totem pole, if you will, that some things are essential, some things are non-essential but important, and other things are, are you know, matters that we can be unified within the same church despite uh, different uh, opinions. I think also we really don't practice healthy distinctions in this kind of way, which really goes with that. Uh, I think also Satan has a tendency to kind of pull out. Satan can't cause us to sin, but he really pulls our worst selves out in these kind of things. You know, he, Satan, I think, will take when we rightly find something problematic or disagree with something, uh, and and he will kind of allow our sin side to kind of get entangled in that mush so that we end up adding our sin to the problem rather than having any kind of effective solution. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's that's an insightful answer. It, it it sure is easy to not think carefully about issues, and and really, with there's so many different things to to gain the proper context would require a lot of effort, and we don't have that much time, and we would just rather yeah have the hot take, or even if we think we thought through an issue, sometimes you know there's emotional things that get tied in that may be a blind spot to us, and we just kind of go on a rampage uh, and want to villainize whoever, you know, is doing the thing that we perceive as bad. And so we are, we know we're not that. Uh, though I want to, I do want to overreact. You use this, you know, pagan symbol of the totem pole, Tony, and I want to rebuke you in the strongest <laughs> possible terms. Uh, <laughs> has no place here. Um, <laughs> um, so what are some of the problems that come with overreacting to something that we see as objectionable so i think it's interesting because i think overreacting has a way of kind of acting as if the universe really quickly goes out of control and is really without a stable god i think when christians overreact we kind of act like you know chicken little uh you know that the sky is falling the sky is falling the sky is falling uh, and i think even you hear that uh, i know some strong christians and theological leaders some professors that uh, i think have shown this overreaction and they know better they believe in a sovereign god but it kind of feels like they don't sometimes with the terminology they use. Uh, but I think further, it burns bridges, uh, bridges that I think are important as Christians are called to. I mean, you used a term before the podcast, Catholicity, which is not referring to Roman Catholics, but the idea that we're basically, we're united among all true Christians throughout the world. Uh, it burns those kind of bridges that we need, and, and it frankly, it's sinfully slow to hear. The Bible uh, talks about being slow to speak, and it can be very slow to hear when our, we, we have overreactions. Uh, and I think it's often impatient. Uh, you know, I there's been a greater stress in some Christian circles, I think rightly, on the importance of patience. Uh, even uh, Sandra McCracken's great hymn uh, song, which talks about the patient kingdom. God's ways are patient. And I think overreaction tends to not be that. It tends to be impatient. You know, it acts like, I want this change now. I expect these people to be where I want them now. And, and it often ends up being profoundly arrogant. What, what do you think, though, are some of the other problems with overreaction? To me, the thing that stands out is that you lose sight of the main thing. Mm. So the bad thing comes to the foreground, and that's just kind of a it you know puts an eclipse on everything else. And rather than going, okay, this is the thing that we're aiming for, instead the target becomes the thing we're not aiming for. Oh. And, and it's a subtle difference, but then you can really get off course that way when you're just focused on not being. Uh, the thing that you don't like or the thing you see is wrong. And, and sometimes there is a needed reaction to something that we see as unhelpful. 
Uh, I mean, we talked about some of that stuff here before with, uh, I don't know, say purity culture. Uh, again, yeah. not that we think like some seem to be, yeah, just have sex and figure it out and this kind of stuff. That's that's not a, a biblical sexual ethic. Um, though some of the things from the purity culture, eh, it wasn't baked fully. Um, some of that was just more cultural than biblical. And um, so, you know, maybe there is some needed reaction to that, but then some have gone the overreaction route um, or with homosexuality or just so many different things. Uh, alcohol, music. I mean, I, was, I grew up in kind of a fundamentalist happy fundamentalists, not angry fundamentalist circles. And so, you know, the music was, was pretty, pretty conservative. Um, and there's some that just, you know, there's this overreaction and it's like, man, we're going to crank up those amps and have the bass going as hard as we can. And, and that's not necessarily a moral issue, yeah. but it's just an overreaction to the other thing. There's no like reason this is why we're going to do it. Cause we think this, this loud, you know, driving bass just particularly glorifies God uh, it's just to show that we're we're not like that. We're free in Christ, uh, that kind of thing. And so it just, uh, it, yeah, it casts a shadow where you can't see what it is you're supposed to see. Um, so I mean, let's we're not just talking about this in, in uh, the broadest possible terms. Let's narrow into what we like to focus on. How can because you you see this in parenting, and we're going to get to some specific issues here in a minute. But how can parents avoid overreacting to cultural trends that they see, um, just more more broadly with as it relates to kids, or things that they see in church cultures or in the practices of parenting, uh, those kinds of areas? How can they avoid just you know swinging to the other side? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I, I want to first answer it with Scripture's words itself, uh, that uh, from Psalm thirty-seven, seven: uh, "Be still before the Lord, and patiently for, and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his ways, over the man who carries out evil desires." I, that that is such helpful words amidst the world that overreacts, and I think it urges kind of gospel patience, if you will. And, um, and, and I think that's one posture that chiefly we're going to have. We need to have the posture of anticipating God, the patience that trusts that in God's sovereignties and in God's timing and things. Uh, even as our world and our culture seems to spin out of, into madness, to know that we can be patient and we can trust our God rather than overreacting. Uh, and I think with that, we should expect in our household, we should expect as we teach our kids uh, to for sinners to be sinners, if you will. I mean, so we shouldn't be scandalized. And I think sometimes overreacting comes from us being scandalized, you know, that this movement is coming out in the world. Sinners are going to sin. We should. We should expect that. Haters going to hate, man. Yeah, and I think further we should kind of avoid the cultural Christian assumption. Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes that, sometimes even there there's questions that when we overreact, we see, you know, I mean, there's not prayer in schools, for example. I won't go into that too much. But I, I think sometimes there even needs to be kind of questions whether or not this kind of shift is actually a shift away from biblical Christianity. Uh, but we need to look at things more from the theological viewpoint. And maybe that will help us be a little more nuanced and balanced. Uh, but I think further, we, we need to remember we aren't always seeing the whole picture. The only God knows knows all. I mean, this reminds me of kind of God's reaction to Job. Who, where were you when I created this, that, and the other? Uh, God is the only one who has the whole picture. And so, if we overreact, uh, we are often overreacting because we're just seeing a small portion of of what things are. And we must present to our kids a sovereign God that has made promises and knows about these, but also sees what He's doing. What do you think, Ben? Well, I really like that reminder that God is big, God is good, God is sovereign, and we can rest in that. Doesn't, And that doesn't encourage us to passivity either. I mean, Paul told the Philippians in chapter 2, he said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like, you take it serious, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So, you, hey, work, because God's at work. And so it encourages us to... 
um, to take action, but not this desperate, you know, frantic kind of uh, running about. Um, I, I mean, for some reason, this comes to mind. You, you think of people that uh, have a, a desire to go spread the gospel, um, like in a missions kind of context. And man, there's people dying. They're, they're you know, under judgment. We've got to go. Like, I don't need to waste time with trying to prepare or this or that. It's just, we just got to go. And you, you can appreciate the zeal, but at the same time, that may not be the best way to do it. Um, if you're not prepared to yeah. then go, um, it could just lead to problems down the road that's actually going to harm those people. Um, if you're not properly grounded and then sticking around to help them remain grounded or yeah. become grounded so that they don't veer off into some crazy stuff that's going to damage people spiritually. Um, and so, yeah, I really, I really like that reminder. I, I think it's just, it's helpful to, to stop and take a breath and realize that every particular thing is not the make or break issue. Um, and just to to go about it patiently, um, and yeah, I, I don't have a whole lot to add to what you said. Um, so, how can <clears throat> moving out of the household to the the family of God, the household of God, how can churches work to to not overreact to things that they see maybe in that particular local church or just in wide the wider church culture? Um, leadership practices, ministry programming. I mean, we could think of a lot of different areas where we might see these kinds of things. We're like, oh, well, what they did back then was, man, that was awful. So this is what we're going to do. Um, how can churches just kind of, you know, chill on that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think a first step is assume the best. Uh, because, I mean, 1 Corinthians 13 even says love believes all things. And this is something that's hard for me that I can struggle with. And, you know, I mean, we can see an example of this is, you know, that, for example, uh, I think an erroneous approach within the church, within youth ministries, is kind of this attractional seeker approach. Uh, and, and I think this is wrong. We've shown in the podcast that this kind of approach is wrong and they shouldn't have it. Uh, but I think one thing that can be important to see is that there were at times God glorifying motivations for people doing these kind of things. And so even if, you know, something is in a church was one way uh, and it's not that way anymore. And, you know, and we're rightly correcting this. We, we need to know that we're, we're changing it and we're altering it based on biblical convictions, but that's not saying that we're altering it because these people were just, uh, super woke and super, you know, anti-God and, uh, but it's, they were wrong. They were wrong, but they were wrong with, with right intentions and that doesn't make them right, but we can honor and celebrate the right intentions at times. Uh, and so I think further, I think we do not overreact. I think we should understand that real change tends to be gradual. Uh, you know, and I think I've seen this even in my my own failures. You know, sometimes it's quick to it's quick to strike while the iron's hot, uh, but uh, maybe that's not how real change and progress in local churches tends to happen. Uh, instead, a lot of these things tend to be gradual, and you know, God God works that way. I mean, God's sanctifying His people over He's. There's been thousands of years since Jesus ascended into heaven. God, God is working and bringing real change to the world and real changes among Christians in a slow way, and that's okay. Uh, but mm -hmm. I think further, finally, I'll just say that I think we should celebrate the things that we can celebrate. And I, I think that is often going to be key within even our own hearts to make sure that we don't overreact. Find what was legitimately good in the past and cultural practices and celebrate that even in the other guy's church uh, and again i need to this is speaking to myself more than anybody i may be so but what do you think man oh I, yeah i i mean i addressing this to myself as well um there was an incident yesterday after my i had rented a car for this trip i, I started off talking about and so then my family came and picked me up, um, and we all rode back together. And as we were getting out of the car, there was a bunch of stuff in the back to unload. And one of, of our kids was 
doing something with the the back latch there, trying to get something open. And apparently there had been some issue with it while I was gone, and I don't I don't know exactly what the details were, but uh, another kid who was still in the car began to give orders to the other one. Don't do that. That's that's what messed it up last time. And just, you know, barking at him. I said, Let, no, let's chill. Let, let's keep in mind that this other sibling of yours, um, that maybe what they were doing wasn't the most helpful, but their intent was, I'm going to help carry all this stuff in. I'm not just going to run in and disregard, yeah. you know, with the work that needs to be done. And so that attitude of charity and love and uh, assuming the best, I, I really appreciate that. <clears throat> I think I mean as as churches we've got to keep the main thing the main thing, and, and let's work to not um, lose sight of that and just the the thing we don't like moves to the uh, the foreground and we go this is the this is the the worst enemy we could imagine like you and I were talking you know off air before this and uh, was talking about that interview with the person who had dealt with some controversy and uh, the. She made this comment that one of her her most vicious critics uh, had preached a sermon um, in this time period and using uh, a psalm, I forget which one it was, but talking about the perfect hatred of God. And sort of the the ending was like, if you don't like this sermon, then I hate you with the perfect hatred of God and God hates you as well because feminism is like the worst enemy. Ugh. And – you know, you see, like, well, okay, maybe there's problems with that, but I don't. I think we are swinging wildly past, you know, um, what is helpful in that case. That's not the biggest enemy, um, and so keeping the main thing, the main thing, and keeping our finger on the text of scripture, and not, again, not that we don't pay attention to the culture, but that we are looking, okay, what does God say is most important, and what He is building in His kingdom. And then work out from there rather than you know watching Fox News or CNN or whatever your um, poisonous cable news network of choice is, and then reading back into, okay, hmm, and then looking at the Bible and, oh, we got to do this or that. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be culture wars. It can be you know music or something like that in the church or just other – like the, the attractional stuff. Like there's a church here in town. They do many things I would not do, and if someone were to say, hey, I'm thinking about going to a church, I, I would not encourage them to go there. But I do think in the years that it's been there that many people have genuinely be, been converted and yeah. you know, had their sins forgiven and their lives changed, and you know, I have to be careful to say, praise God that he, he has been at work there. Um, and it's not like I've you – know, I have my own blind spots. And so, and, and areas where I see myself overreacting, and kind of with time, it's like, eh, I think I was I was overreacting to this other thing. Like, uh, I mean, you and I have talked about this on this podcast, but you know, with some of the stuff with uh, like little kids here, pray the prayer, repeat this after me, and okay, now you're in heaven, kind of thing, and being maybe a little too hard. Then after, like, well, I mean, look at all that crazy stuff. This, you know, um, basically like spiritual magic. Um, that was was performed in the name of Jesus, and um, and rather than keeping the main thing in view, and so I think that's uh, that's where we need to head. Now, doing yeah. that in practice is is more difficult. Um, so, how can church partner with the home and help parents to not overreact in their their views, their practices, uh, that kind of thing? Yeah, that that's a good question. And one thing, actually, I hadn't written this down, but I think is going to be key in this is going to be rightly understanding of reacting, because I think we have a tendency to almost portray overreacting as like uh, as like somebody being dramatic, which it's really not. It's really overreacting is disproportional reacting. So one might say, for example, you know, somebody somebody can have less passion and be overreacting than the person is more passion that's not overreacting. I mean, uh, Martin Luther, for example, Martin Luther was like intense about the dangers of the papacy and uh, the danger of the Catholic <laughs> you Church. Think? <laughs> yeah, and but I'm not sure. He, I think he overreacted in some things, but I'm not sure that we could really say he was overreacting. This is a big problem, and he was seeing it for what it was. 
And, but at the same time, you know, this, again, it goes back to teaching triage that it, it can be over to me. It can be overreacting to something to leave a small group. It can be uh, overreacting that, but a different thing, it can be an overreaction to leave a church. It can be an overreaction in some things to blast somebody on social media. Uh, but you know, it just depends on where that lines up in triage and having a biblical justification for it. Uh, and, and that's where I think, again, it's weird because I think the overreaction in our time is that, and I've told a friend, another friend this, I think we're in a time where kind of we're redrawing the boundary lines. And, uh, you know, what is, what is, what are we cutting people off at, at what different level? And that's happened more and more in the past couple of years. And I think mm-hmm. the problem of reaction is always when we draw these boundary lines beyond where we see biblical justification. And again, that can be whether we cut something off and, you know, church family, that can be whether we, whether again, we sit, uh, treat somebody as kind of sub evangelical or sub Christian. It's where we need to make sure that where are the lines that we're drawing? drawing are biblical. And I think churches should need to teach that to uh, parents, need to teach that to all members. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think when it's not, you can see this apparently. I actually know of, specifically, you mentioned parents. Uh, a church we're at in Louisville, that a, tr- uh, that a man within the church was a great church, and a man was kind of exposed to uh, that he had some concerns about overemphasis in children's ministry, and our church kind of rightly was careful, the church we're at in Louisville, but this guy was exposed to some extreme views, and he kind of overreacted. He kind of treated uh, the church we were at, which I think was really healthy in trying to push parents of the primary disciples. He kind of treated that church is really part of the problem. Uh, and I, and we, we tried, I think the church tried to help that guy and see where maybe you're overreacting. Uh, and I think one, one other thing that might seem odd in, in this is I think we can paint that sanctification as progressive, even in institutions. And I think this will urge for families a kind of right slowness that we, you don't need to jump we need to expect that God is growing his church. God is growing local churches. God is growing institutions. God is growing Christian leaders. And so don't jump on them sometimes, but be careful and measured. Uh, and, and I think that we should slow reaction. We, uh, sorry, um, we should re- show that reacting against something is not the same as, you know, reacting, uh, reacting to scripture. Uh, and so, just, I, I think, again, we, we need to be careful of this kind of impulsiveness that we can have and and really measure things back to what Scripture actually says. But what do you think, Ben? Uh, well, I, I, yeah, I love what you said. Um, I think it's got to be modeled well. And I, I think you've probably heard the same thing or read about it in the last couple of years, people leaving churches and some other churches that before were not really the, all that big. Suddenly, the pastor uh, was, you know, raging against the government or this kind mm-hmm. of thing, and these churches experienced massive, explosive growth, and that was seen as like biblical faithfulness to, you know, rail against the government. Or, uh, I mean, you could give other examples, but there's just been a lot of contention about that. And so, if the leaders of the church are busy overreacting is going to model to families the, to also do the same thing, mm-hmm. whether it's in line with those cultural issues or just in other areas. Like I think there's spillover effect. And so yeah. just modeling a, a measured uh, approach. Um, and I think, you know, in personal conversations, trying to help them think through that. And, uh, but modeling, I think it's going to be going to be big. Yeah. So let's get to an area now. Let's, let's get to some specific areas, which I think specifically related to parenting. Um, there have been reactions and overreactions and overreactions to that. And so this is going to take a little time, but let's let's look at those some of those areas um, and kind of just talk about them one by one. But we'll just name up front, like talking about issues of authority, kids and authority, discipline, permissiveness, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um Connection to the church, church attendance, church participation, that kind of thing. Uh, legalism, um, 
you know, attempts to be holy, how God is pleased and how we act in our family, and then technology. There's a lot more that we could talk about, um, but those just kind of rose to the the top as I was preparing this, thinking through it. Um, and I think there's plenty there. So when it comes to issues of authority, you know, kind of this iron-fisted uh, parent in charge versus the kids or the boss, Um what do you see there uh, in that particular one? And, and, you know, how do we not just swing back and forth? Yeah, I, I don't think either is, <laughs> I think either would be an overreaction to Iron Fisted and the kid being the boss. Uh, I think we have to measure things by what scripture actually says, especially when scripture talks about the household in places like Ephesians. Uh, but uh, but I, I think it is interesting because one of the things uh, in, and in terms of authority that no reaction can happen is even in our, we talk about family ministry, about parenting, kids have a tendency to react to authority. We're kind of in an anti-authorian age. I mean, maybe I'm in a particular one. Uh, the motto of Maine is I lead, or I go, I lead. And so, you know, there's a tendency to not like authority. But we shouldn't be surprised uh, when kids overreact to authority and discipline because we do. Uh, I, I think we really live in an age of overreaction to authority of, you know, that basically we need to defy all the time or or then you know when defiance is rejected we kind of go overboard in the other direction but i think the right correction we need to have is the correction of romans 13 1 uh paul says let every person be subject to the governing authorities i think the implication of this will be shown in really all legitimate authority because paul says for no authority exists except for from god and those that exist have been instituted by god so following authority uh, that is godly is God glorifying even when we don't agree with it? And that's in more of a measured view. But also at the same time, we know that uh, authority is something from God and therefore not something to be taken advantage of and used for, for self-pleasure and dictatorship. Uh, so maybe I think that's a little bit of a balance there. But what do you think on that? How do you think we avoid overreacting? Well, again, look look at Scripture in all of these. And pr- now the... The right spot is not always – people talk about balance and this kind of thing. The The proper spot in every issue may not be right in the middle. It may not be, quote, balanced. It may be leaning more towards one of those than the other, um, but the kind of the recognized position of one is just too far. And so, yes, I mean I think we both have seen um, both of these in action and – and if I'm being honest, there have been times where both have probably been in a, maybe a particular season or uh, instance that have been the issue, you know, in my own home. And so now I don't think we live in either one of those by God's grace. But I mean, I think in in this one, um, it's not right in the middle. It does veer more toward not iron fisted. I mean, that that just sounds awful. Yeah. And I intentionally came up with something that sounded bad, but. That it's clear mom and dad are in charge, but it's a it's a gracious leadership. Um, and so, I mean, I saw an article posted the other day. Uh, it was an old article and just, I don't, I guess it just was being featured, but uh, something John Piper had written. Um, oh, yeah, it was from Chat Bettis. He hid the okay. link to it. And it was, uh, you know, children or parents require your children to obey. Uh, and that's, I think that is right. Yeah. As we as we do that, that brings blessing to them, and it's teaching them this is how the world works. Um, but we we're, again we're reflecting on scripture and not just what we see. And I, I understand there's there can be many layers to this. Someone who's been abused themselves, mm-hmm. then they do, they go, I don't want to do that, and then they will swing the other way. Sometimes though, they just duplicate or they may not abuse their children but they are just iron fisted you know like a drill sergeant and um remember the main thing what what is the goal that you're seeking don't just define yourself by what you're not to be but okay what am i actively trying to do i mean kind of like paul's admonition to us to put off the old we don't simply put off the old we put on the new as well we actively seek to do good um, so how about when it comes to 
to church attendance and involvement? Because I know there was a day, and particularly, I mean, in my experience, um, there was this expectation, like if the church was open and it had something going mm-hmm. on, that to be faithful, you needed to be there. There's been, and I'm sure when I was a kid, there were people that had a lax attitude towards that, but not in the circles I was in. Um, now, though, it's, you know, well, you know, when we can get there, when we don't have travel ball and a trip to the lake and, you know, this and that. Um, because, I mean, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, right? And so you have home church or family time or fun activities or whatever versus, you know, just the, the church is open. So therefore, we must be there. Um, how do we try to navigate that line? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think actually in that question, it, it to reveals in my own personal experience how people shift in their overreaction. Because again, part of the problem of reaction is this kind of shifting nature. Actually, I remember uh, that somebody uh, that I had talked to that uh, a couple years ago and that kind of had the perspective that, that I probably pushed back against a little bit that, you know, their family, their kids need to be at church and, and all these moments, you know, that in families that don't are kind of messing up. And, and, and then that this person, uh, the sports kind of an opportunity for sports for one of their children came up. And then when I, I, I posted a blog encouraging parents to, um, you know, to, to prioritize church and we don't miss even once for these kind of things, uh, just as an encouragement in the word. And, and that, that person ended up really going at me. Uh, and, you know, so kind of a overreaction. And so, and that, that I think has what overreaction does overreaction ironically is what ends up moving and ends up being the thing that shifts rather than the thing that that takes a strong stance and so and to me i think where overreaction would take place that again is uh, we do overreaction is not saying that we don't go to eight out of ten you know but it's saying that if we have a biblical reason for we're saying we're eight out of ten we stop there and we don't go beyond and we don't go before and there was wisdom there but i think one way that parents can do this, I don't think it's overreaction uh, to require attendance every Sunday for those that are in their household. I, th- I think there's biblical reasons for it, not just for ourselves, but for everyone in, that is in our household. And, uh, and I think it would be an overreaction to say that oh, asking that is legalism. That's not legalism. Uh, that is biblical. But uh, but then kind of the other overreaction we need, we need to avoid, again, is what you mentioned with the every Sunday. I mean, I, I want I want to encourage people. I think there's benefits of going to Sunday school, a midweek Bible study like we do at our church, and I think you guys do something like that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it would be an overreaction to say that somebody's in the wrong or somebody's a pagan you know, or in sin if they don't come, or probably I think there's a point even when we raise up our own kids that, you know, maybe for a 19 year old in a household, if they don't, if they don't feel compelled to go to one of those things, uh, you know, maybe there's a point where it is an overreaction to say that you have to go to these things. Again, I think there's a lot of wisdom at play in that, but, uh, and I'm not going to draw a clear line so we don't overreact, but what do you think, Ben? Come on, man. Give us a hot take. I mean, like, I want flames. Um, Yeah, I think requiring church attendance, uh, that's not legalism because, uh, yes, I mean, if you're ill, I think that's reasonable that you stay home. That's loving that you not share that. Um, But, well, we're a little tired because we went to this ball game last night or whatever. And actually, there's a guy at our uh, church who's the head of school for our school who – um, he's his parents live in Athens. He still got friends there. He's a big Georgia Bulldog fan. And I think this was a couple years ago. You know, he had been to a game um, in Athens, which is where the University of Georgia is. Don't know. Um, he went to a game. I think it was an evening game, and got home late. And uh, but anyway, he he came to church, and I, I was talking to him about it. And he said, I mean, my thought is, if I can go to the game and cheer, like. I can go show up with God's people. Like, yeah. you know, one clearly outweighs the other in importance. And so mm-hmm. I went and hung out with my friend. That was, that was cool. But you know, I, if I'm going to make time for that, I got to make time to go worship the Lord. Um, and so, yeah, I get, it's keeping the main thing in, in view and not just, um, distortions of what we, we see. Well, this is a, this is wrong. So here we're just, we're not going to be that. Um, <clears throat> and, God has, 
he has literally commanded us to not forsake, you know, assembling with his people. Uh, and so not to say that there can't be some exercising of spiritual gifts or whatever if we're away, but it's just not what he's given us. He's, he said, this is the avenue of grace that I will meet you on yeah. week after week. And so let's let's get on the avenue. Um, okay, so we talked – we mentioned legalism, but uh, – you know, there, and this relates to issues of authority, but I, I can think, you know, maybe a little more narrowly um, with rules that a family might have. And, um, you know, they grew up in a home that didn't allow TV or something like that. And now, like any imaginable uh, thing that just kids get to do whatever, and um, or this really loosey goosey thing and then it's clamped down um and but like because this not just because of, of authority but because this is what pleases god this is the way we don't watch movies or we only watch movies that aren't uh, they're only rated g or you know whatever the is the, the people can come up with all kinds of rules so how do we kind of navigate in this area you think yeah that's a great question and i won't say much on this because i suspect you're going to have some better thoughts than i do on it uh, i think you've thought through this area really well but to me i think legalism is always a common really overreaction in part because it seems to be a way of actually ironically getting conviction off our back and so i i think a lot of times those kind of legalistic reactions are ironically rooted in well we don't have to follow conviction we can just follow you know the laws that we make uh, but, you know, in terms of how it applies in our lives, uh, practically speaking, I, I think sometimes from families making extra biblical family or personal rules is just prudence and saying that that's legalism is in itself an overreaction. Uh, an example might be that, you know, I think it is okay and it, it's not it's not sinful uh, or inherently legalistic for a parent to say to their six-year-old child that you can't watch that rated R or PG-13 movie. Sure, there's no Bible verse on it, but there doesn't have to be. Uh, you know, there, there's a wisdom in the role. And it's also, you know, one thing even in my own life, you know, I, I, I believe that it would be legalistic to say that anyone can't drink alcohol. I, I don't think you can argue that from Scripture, but, I mean, I, I generally follow a rule that uh, pretty much no day will I have more than two alcoholic drinks. Uh, and, uh, you know, I just, that's a rule I make for myself, and that's not, and, and I've actually known people that have saw that attitude to yourself as legalistic, and, and I think that is an overreaction to see that as that kind of thing. So, and so, but further, I, I think even with households, it's not legalistic to ask kids the things uh, when they're in your household. They're reasonable, even without scripture, because the Bible does tell children to submit to parents, and it doesn't just tell children submit to parents and things that are already mentioned directly in scripture. But what are your thoughts? Uh, well, yeah, I, I like what you said. I don't know that I have super, uh, maybe more optimistic about uh, my thoughts on this than, <laughs> than I am. But uh, uh, again, keeping the main thing, but the main thing, and I don't think, yeah, that I agree with you that having some of these things in place is just it's prudent and wise, and it just helps things operate well. Um, but I think you need to be – try to work hard not to give kids the impression like this is the way of righteousness. It's – well, we've looked through this and we've just decided this is not something we're going to do as a family or this is something we're going to do as a family. And yeah, you may not enjoy this. You may not like this. You may see other people who do it differently. Um and, and and be careful not to criticize other families who make different choices. I'm like, well, they're just idiots, okay? I mean, it's obvious these people don't love Jesus. Um, to have a, a humble stance about it, and you know, to go from there. Because we've we've faced some issues in our home uh, recently with some language, not like um, like profanity, just you know, some name calling or not not even name calling, um, but just a particular way of addressing. Uh, kids addressing one another and calling that. I think, well, well, other, yeah. you know, so it's not a bad word. Like, well, no, it's not a bad word, but it is kind of rude. And if pretty much anybody you ask, they would admit that that speaking that way has some edge to it. You know, mm -hmm. this is not coarse. It's just not how we are going to do it here. You know, um, and so keeping an open hand about some of these things um, 
and, and being thoughtful about what you're doing. But yeah, like you said, I really like the beginning of that about it's easy to just have this external list and okay, if we're doing these things, then this is what's righteous. This yeah. pleases God and not having to develop your conscience and trying to tune your conscience to the, the tuning fork of God's word. Um, so last one, technology. Um, this is one of those areas that is increasingly necessary. It, it is an area uh, that we need to be discipled in. Technology is not necessarily good or bad. Uh, though I was listening to some stuff, I had a long drive up to North Carolina, and uh, these guys were talking about technology and how some of the, the new digital uh, social media and some of those things, that they are not necessarily neutral, uh, that they are built with addictive you know, properties in them. And so there, there is raises some ethical questions. Um, but anyway, you know, on one side you see basically a full embrace of everything new. And then on the other side, it's like this going off the grid. Um, Mm -hmm. and really they're just, you know, um, they're not to me, neither one is very well thought through. So how do we try to navigate that? Because technology is not going away. Um, it's not, you know, I don't think there's going to be a brighter day when we don't have to deal with it. Like as much as I would just like it to, you know, okay, let's just, what we have is good and let's just stop here. Kind of be like the Amish, you know, they just stopped at a certain point in history, (laughs) but even then they have all these exceptions and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. As somebody who, uh, loves using Logos for Bible prep, uh, sermon preparation. I, I think even that Amish attitude is an overreaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think to me, I think overreaction in technology has a tendency to kind of, uh, in, in both capacities, it's a failure to see the distinction that not all technology is the same and even not all not all use of, for example, device is the same, the same. And so actually, I think an example of my own reaction was one time, uh, I think our kids were at the church and Daniel had like an appointment and, and we try to limit screen time in ways. Uh, but the kids had a tablet and they didn't have, uh, any, it wasn't connected to the internet at the point. And I think one of my kids was doodling on a tablet, like using like basically coloring, there's a cuddling app or whatever. And, and I was really annoyed that they were still doing that, you know, and they had been on it for a long time. And like, and I thought for myself that uh, I would not be annoyed if they were doing that on a piece of paper that objectively creates more mess. And, and why, <laughs> you know, what, really, what, what's the difference? Who cares? I mean, and even like almost, uh, oh, you know, we've got a reader and, and I've got to be careful that we want to limit screen time that like what difference, you know, if, if she ends up on a can- getting a Kindle, what difference is it her reading a Kindle book than reading a book that, you know, especially if it doesn't have that kind of backlight. And so we need to kind of be reasonable and have basis for these kinds of things. Uh, I think that we can and should set limits though. And even if we can and should set limits with devices, if they're just doodling, uh, probably you should especially set limits for uh, internet usage for children. It's uh, wild and wild out there, and I'm not sure exposing to dangers are, are, are wise. And so we should also avoid that kind of a reaction of, you know, being the parent that says, well, I don't, you don't have a Bible verse to say that, that uh, a kid can't be on the internet 24-7. Uh, so, you know, I'm going to let my kid be on the internet 24-7. That's obviously a really stupid overreaction, uh, and mm-hmm. it's going to get your kids in a lot of trouble. But what do you think, Ben? Um, yeah, I I can be one who can be pretty down on, uh, screens. Now, I mean, it's ironic, like we're sitting here communicating with each other via screens. Uh, and so I'm not totally anti them. Like I have a smartphone and I use a computer and, uh, that kind of thing. And they're helpful tools for sure. I do lament when I I see a family out and everybody they're you know eating dinner together or you know they're at a restaurant together and every single person has their own screen and they yep. have their heads stooped over looking at a screen doing something. Um, I mean it's just I don't know to, whether to laugh or cry, um, but 
Yes, you, I think you need to think through it. But every – like technology can't tell us what should be done with it. It's just there. And so don't just embrace every new thing. Like we just have this – in our culture, this uh, almost worship of technology that's going to solve all of our problems. But technology actually – it does solve some problems, but then it creates new ones. Um, and so thinking through that – and I, I was uh, – on this ski trip I was on, uh, I was talking to this – fella who um someone he goes to school with he said you know he had never heard anyone say this directly but he was just stunned by this and uh these two ladies were talking and one said man kids you know kids are just hard and uh the other woman's like well i mean these days you have tablets and you can just give them the tablet and like you don't have to do anything (laughs) (laughs) and you know just the uh wow the lack of thoughtfulness on that is just mind-blowing um but also just rejecting all technology is probably not a good solution uh or you know all digital stuff all screens and just going and living on a farm somewhere and um i mean even then you're good it's kind of like go back to the amish like there's a certain level of technology you're already using you're using (laughs) wheels and uh (laughs) you know stuff like that um i mean paper is technology yeah a book i mean like (laughs) you know jesus didn't have books they had scrolls yep um so you know it's selective and and you can see this like with kind of we're talking about fundamentalists and stuff like that um there can be uh, and i feel some freedom to criticize that because you know i used to be within that and again it wasn't angry but there can be a lack of thoughtfulness about certain things it's like, well this is just the way we do it because yeah. well because the king james was good enough for paul so therefore it's good enough for us um or you know these kinds of things or you know this drum music i mean they, they use it in these african tribes to to you know arouse people and uh like no it, it, all music has a beat and, and you know yeah. i mean there, there can just be um, – back to what we said at the beginning. It's just easy to not think carefully, mm-hmm. um, it, to just kind of make these broad things. And so I think we just want to be careful about that. And um, But yes, I, I could sympathize with you as you were talking about you know doodling on the tablets. Put that, put that devil box down and go get a piece of paper. But yes, the paper would make much more mess. And I have one child in particular who is – a prolific artist uh, and just accumulating sheets. Uh, and so I think, yeah, we need to evaluate our own motives and and just keep in sight what is it that we are pursuing instead of what is yeah. it that we are not trying to do. Um, well, there, there's a lot more that could be said and a lot more topics that we could cover, but I think those are some things that uh, are relevant to every family and uh, I, I hope that that will be helpful just to even get the ball rolling to think about some things because um, – yeah, I mean, particularly that last one. That that's one that I can tend to overreact to more towards the going off the grid side, and you know, uh, and, and I mean, I think everybody that that is informed to at least a degree on some of the digital technology stuff, there are some real dangers there that mm-hmm. we ought to be aware of from our uh, spiritual standpoint, emotional standpoint, even physically, the people hunched over and you know with their necks and stuff like that um the divisiveness that it has helped to spark uh, it didn't create all this it just gave an avenue for the sin to come out but yeah i mean there's certainly considerations there but it doesn't mean we just reject it all no. um so hope that is helpful tony thanks for thinking about these things and, and sharing i thought you had some really good insight on this stuff so uh, thank you brother i pray this will be a, a blessing to those who hear as do i Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.